We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Thursday, November 17th, and we're three days away from the World Cup. Yes, the most popular sport in the world, soccer. It's also my favorite sport. It's also the sport that I started playing DFS with. So we're going to be going through. Kind of a a 101 class on how to play soccer DFS. So you you could join and get involved with the World Cup contests being offered on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. This episode is specifically geared towards DraftKings, okay? So if you're playing on FanDuel, they have a different scoring system. So so it's completely different. So I really want to highlight that, that that their scoring uh, is a little counterintuitive. Uh, there'll be big contests on on DraftKings. Uh, I believe the the opener on Sunday. There's a there's one game, Qatar versus whoever. Uh, that that's like a showdown slate. Uh, the scoring is is similar on showdown, uh, but obviously you have you know the, the the captain and the five other spots. It's you know the format is slightly different. Uh, but the first main slate is on Monday morning. The slates will be for the group stage for like the first two weeks of the World Cup. Going to be every day, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern. So there's there's four World Cup games on per day. One starts at like 5 in the morning Eastern. So they're, they're not going to include that as part of the, the classic slate, although they probably will have a showdown for that. And they'll have a showdown for each individual game. But the games will be at 8 o'clock Eastern in the morning. In the morning. We're talking about in the morning. Then 11 o'clock Eastern. Then 2 o'clock Eastern. So there's three hours apart. And typically, soccer games last about two hours, right? Very, very quick, right? 45-minute halves, 15-minute halftime in between. And uh, the lineups, this is very important when it comes to soccer. Starting lineups do not come out until one hour before kickoff, okay? So for the 8 o'clock a.m. game, 7 a.m. is when the starting 11s will come out. Then for the 11 a.m. game, 10 a.m. is when the starting lineups for those for those two teams come out. And then for the 2 o'clock game, that would be 1 p.m. So understand that it's not all at once. So you're going to have to monitor 
when lineups come out. Now, we will have projected 11s, who we think is going to start, most likely. Most of the time, they're fairly accurate, but we never know. These are national teams, which means they're filled with kind of like all-stars of their own, of their own, of their own, uh, you know, national descent. So uh, they, they will rotate every so often, right? They're, they're only going to be playing three group stage games and then you get into the knockout phase. So a lot of times it's like, ah, oh, we're not really sure uh, what the center back pairing is going to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe they play the other center back or maybe they play the other fullback. Most likely the, 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 the star forward and the strikers are probably going to start every game. Right. Remember, this is the World Cup. You're going to it is not like, oh, we can take this game off. It's like, no, every every game matters in the World Cup. But be very aware that the lineups that you may make the night before. Like you got you got to wake up at seven in the morning in order to check starting lineups just just to make sure. And also take advantage of uh, if there's any rotation or change. And that may affect, uh, you know, very similar, maybe not exactly similar NBA, but. Well, if this guy's out, that means the value of this guy goes up a little, you know, that type of thing. And also, who's more likely to play 90 minutes versus play less? Because uh, remember, in soccer, there's not unlimited substitutions. It's not like NBA. It's not like NHL. It's more like baseball. Guy starts. Guy comes out. He can't come back in. Okay? Uh, so, playing 90 minutes means, obviously, more opportunity to score poor, uh, points. So, if they... If, if your guy comes out at the 60th minute, well, you have 60 minutes to score points. The last 30 minutes of the game, you get nothing. Uh, in classic soccer, on a three-game slate, which these are, you're vert, there's virtually no reason to play a substitute, okay? So if, if you see guys that are not in the starting lineup, don't even. I, I would say don't even bother, okay? There are probably very, very select instances depending on the price a very mispriced player that is almost definitely going to be coming on at the 60th minute and they're a striker and they're more likely to score a goal like like it's very very rare i've been playing soccer dfs for over seven years i have never rostered a substitute never okay so to put things into perspective uh so so if you if you're asking about like well if they don't start can i still play them don't play them because you're not sure whether or not they're going to get in. And also there's only three substitutes. So it's quite possible. They get into the 87th minute. Great. You got three minutes. You got three minutes to score all the points that you can. Right. So don't play substitutes in the showdown contests. The one game contest, there's a little bit more incentive because obviously there's only so many options and maybe you want to try to get different by playing, you know, the backup uh, forward that may come on at the 65th minute. There's a little bit more of an instance for there, but if in general you played soccer DFS and just never rostered a substitute, you're probably fine instead of worrying about it. So I always want to highlight that because this is like a 101 lesson of soccer DFS. And if you have uh, questions in the chat, in the YouTube chat, give me those dummy thumbs. You know how much I love those. Click the like button, click the subscribe button. Just let me know as I go through all of this. Okay, so we have to remember how is soccer played? How is soccer played and how is it different from other sports? Okay. Soccer is played with 11 men on the field, right? 11 men each side, 11 women. If it's, if it's women's soccer, uh, goalkeeper and 10 outfield players on each side of the ball. Uh, obviously the players that are closer to goal, right? The forwards are more likely to score. The players that are back are typically defending more. Although in soccer, 
Uh, typically, the team has a different shape upon attack versus upon defending. So I want to go through just to show you, like, uh, and I'll show you like uh, SofaScore. Sites that that would be useful to you would be SofaScore.com and WhoScored.com. If you want to get dig really deep into more like stats and formations and stuff like that. But if we go to, let's say, like England, right? Like they, they've had some past matches here on who scored. You could get like a match report of like uh, pretty much every match these teams have faced, especially the European ones. So if I go to this England 3-3 Germany game, this was I think maybe a friendly or Nations League game, right? You could see the formations, right? So this is a 3-4-3 formation or a 3-4-2-1 technically if you want to really – really be technical about it. And this would be a four, two, three, one on the Germany side. Okay. These are very base formations. You'll see four, four, two, you'll see three, four, three, you'll see uh four, two, three, one. You'll see a lot of these types of formations, but in general, the guys that are closest to goal, right? The forwards are the ones more likely to score. They're also, they may not touch the ball as often, as anyone else, right? Because they're going to primarily be touching the ball when they're in the opponent's, uh, you know, in the opponent's uh, 18-yard box, right? The midfielders are typically the ones that touch the ball the most, right? They're passing the ball out of the back. They're passing the ball back and forth. They threw balls in, right? So they'll have the ball at their feet a lot more. And in DFS, we'll go through some of the scoring that most of the points peripherally outside of goals will be scored by players that have the ball at their feet, have the ball at their feet and cross, have the ball at their feet and shoot, okay? So, obviously, shooting leads to goals, which is the highest, you know, point scoring that you could have in, in soccer DFS. So, the guys that shoot the most are typically the forwards, okay? The guys that cross the most are typically wide players, right? So, if they're wingers, like we see this in the 4-2-3-1 formation. This guy here, this guy here, and the two fullbacks. Because even though they're defenders in soccer, typically the fullbacks come up on attack and come back on defense. Same for these. These are wingbacks, right? We have three backline players. These guys on the wings typically defend and attack. Okay? And for DraftKings scoring with crosses and shots assisted and fouls drawn, and things like that tackles one. A lot of times these wingback, fullback types of players get a lot of peripheral points. They may not be, they may not score that often. They may get assists, but they probably don't score that many goals, but they do rack up peripheral points. So on DraftKings, you're for a floor for floor purposes, peripherals, you would be prioritizing wide players. Either wide players that cross and get up in attack, or players that shoot a lot which could be central players, but understand that these guys in the center, they're not going to be in a position to cross, right? Crossing is when they go from the outside and they cross the ball into the box, right? You're not going to see that out of, out of uh, typically out of central midfielders. So these defensive central midfielders typically have much more limited value. They're further away from goal. They don't shoot as often and they don't cross as often. They're, they, may get, they may get some tackles. They may get some fouls drawn. But typically, their ceilings are not that high. And the same can be said for the center backs, right? The, the guys that primarily play defense, right? So these two guys back here would be considered center backs, right? The Suli and the Shatterbeck in this example. 
They, they have the lowest floors, right? They make most of their points either from tackles, which they may only get one or two, one tackles one, or clean sheet, right? The bonus in soccer, which we'll get to the goalkeeper scoring, is if you're a defender, if you're a defender eligible player on a team and the team pitches a shutout, right? A clean sheet, gives up zero goals. As long as you've played 60 minutes in the game, you will get three points as a defender, okay? So even the fullbacks, right? Even the guys that are, as long as you're eligible on DraftKings as a defender, if your team gives up zero goals throughout the course of the game and you played at least 60 minutes, you get three points. The goalkeeper that wins, the winning goalkeeper gets five. And if the goalkeeper gets a clean sheet, they have to play at least 60 minutes, they'll get five points. And they get two points for every save and two points for, minus two for every goal goal allowed. We'll get into the scoring in a little bit. Okay, so the most, most valuable players, let's go over this again, for ceiling purposes are the forwards, typically, right? They're the most likely to score goals. The best, the, the highest floor players are typically wide players. Players that attack and play from a wide position. The lowest ceiling players are the center backs who'd only get forward on set pieces. And now let's go over what set pieces are because they're very important, especially in the World Cup, okay? Especially in international competition. What are set pieces? Set pieces are dead ball opportunities that happen either after when the ball goes, you know, out of the back line for a corner kick or on a foul. Like you'll see, free, it's called a free kick or an indirect free kick. Someone gets fouled in an area and then they get a free opportunity to kick the ball. Now, depending on how close it is to the goal, the guy that kicks the ball may take a shot on goal. Right, you see them set up the wall. Right, you see you see that in soccer, they try to bend the ball over the wall, or if it's far, farther enough away, they'll cross the ball into the box. So, like on a corner kick, they all these center backs come forward, right? Because they're big and tall. That's how center backs score goals, right? They don't really score goals any other way. So that's why their ceil their ceilings are quite low. There aren't that many opportunities. So one guy will kick the ball, cross it into the box. And people will then, the, the tall players will go up and try to hit it with their head, right? That's a set piece opportunity. Now, the thing about set piece is that most teams have designated players. They, they don't have like a thing on their shirt or anything, but like designated people that that are the, the best at doing that, right? Are good free tick, tick takers or good at taking left-sided versus right-sided because obviously some players are stronger with their right foot and some players are stronger with their left foot. And depending on whether or not they want an in-swinging corner or an out-swinging corner, most teams have two guys. Sometimes one takes most of them, but they have two guys, one that specializes in right-footed right uh, free kicks and one in left-footed free kicks. So only, typically on a free kick, you'll see two people over the ball, right? Or by a corner kick, you'll see one guy in the corner and then one guy standing near them. Those are typically like the set piece takers. Who are they on each team? There's no this, there's no definitive like like on a formation like that's the set piece guy. It's it it could be anyone. It could be anyone on the team. So I mean, there are some teams that their fullback takes most of their set pieces. Sometimes it's their defensive midfielder. It's just whoever on their team is good at that and happens to be on the field at the time. 
takes most of their set pieces or some of their set pieces, depending on, you know, what foot, what foot, what side of the field, how close to the goal it is. And these opportunities will happen a lot. Okay. When you take a set piece, you're almost guaranteeing yourself at least a cross, which is, you get points for that. A shot, which you get points for that. Or a shot assisted, or what's chance created is the is the technical term in soccer. DraftKings lists it as shot assisted because it's easier to understand. It's a it's a pass that leads to a shot. So someone that takes a corner kick and hits the ball into the box, center back goes up or a forward goes up and tries to hit the ball with the head, and then, then it goes over the goal, right? Well, the guy that just kicked the corner kick just got 1.7 points, right? 0.7 for the cross. And then one point for the shot assisted. So you can see that if a team gets 20 opportunities like that, that the one or two people on their team that take those free kicks have a very high floor. And obviously they have a ceiling too because those kicks lead to either goals or assists. So it's very important to know who takes set pieces for these teams. Fortunately enough, in uh, lineup HQ, because we'll have projections for for each slate, every slate. Uh, it'll be reflected in the projection. And also, you'll you'll typically see we have these little little blurbs. We'll have a blurb uh, for for all the important players. We'll have you know core tags, salary relief tags, GPP tags in lineup HQ. I also believe that uh, Sean and Alex will be doing a short show the night before, like every group stage. This is uh, correct. This is correct. Okay, I'm. 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 I just want to. I just want to make sure. So. Uh, so yeah. So they'll even explain it. So if you listen to the to the show, the night before, they'll even go through and say, you know, like, oh, that this guy takes set pieces for this team. This guy takes set pieces for that team, and and you'll 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 know that, right? Sometimes it's up in the air. Sometimes you know there are teams. I mean, we play Premier League all the time. There are teams that there's like five guys that could take set. It's whoever's closest to the ball, and sometimes they don't even cross in. They do short corners, so you don't even get any points for that. So it's not just this one thing where it's like, oh, every team has a guy with a flag on, and it says set piece guy. It it it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. But for DFS purposes, the highest floor players are typically the ones that will take set pieces because it guarantees yourself, depending on how many set piece opportunities they get, on crosses and shots assisted and shots and potential assists, things like that. Okay, so getting to the scoring. In DraftKings DFS, the most points you could get is on a goal. That's 10 points. In addition to the goal, you also get a shot, and you also get a shot on goal. Because in order to score a goal, you need to take a shot. And in order to to successfully score a goal, your shot needs to be on goal. So what's the difference between a shot and a shot on goal? Well, a shot, if I take a shot, and I kick the ball, and it sails 30 feet over the crossbar, well, that's not a shot on goal. It's not on target, right? Right, so there there may be plenty of shots. There may be 15 shots in the game, but only three are on goal. So if your, if your player takes a shot, you get a point, no matter if it's on goal or not. But if it is on goal, then you get an extra point. Every shot on goal needs to be correlated to either a save or a goal. So basically on a shot on goal, the other goalkeeper gets will get a save if, unless it's a goal, right? So that's how you'll always know what a shot on target is. Uh, 
obviously those shots lead to a goal. So you'll get a total of 12 points for a goal. An assist on a goal is six points. So basically the pass before the shot on goal. If that shot doesn't go in, the player, instead of getting an assist, will also get an assisted shot or a chance created. So any pass that leads to a shot, the player that sends in that pass gets a point. Understand with these assists and these chances created that this is all gauged by Opta, which is probably the top uh, soccer the tracking company. They do all the stats. Like anytime you see stats on ESPN or on Fox Sports or anything like that, it's typically Opta, right? So they have tracking devices and they 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 get all they get all of the stuff and they'll judge uh, because uh, if a shot if a shot is deflected. Right, if a shot isn't on goal and gets deflected by a defender, then the player doesn't score the goal. It's considered an own goal because the shot needs to be on target in order to be credited to the guy that struck the ball. You'll also see that on assists, right? And we get tilted a lot in soccer DFS. I just want to prepare you for the tilt that you'll see a pass come in, but through ball come in from the side, go through the box. There'll be like two defenders and one guy that like stick out their leg. It tips one of the defenders. So the ball tips one of the defenders and then bounces to the other side. And then the, then the, the attacker kicks the ball into goal. And then you look at that play and you go, oh, well, I have the other guy. I got the other guy. I should get the assist. It's like, well, that deflection means that, that no, you're not going to get credit for the assist because it's deflected off of the defender. So it wasn't a pass to a shot it was a deflection to a shot so just be aware of when they when they credit assist it's not automatic it's not like well whatever the the other attack the last attacker to pass the ball gets the assist i think that that so, sometimes that exists in like nhl and hockey or or even in mls soccer like not every goal has an assist uh other stats that you get you get you get a marginal amount of points for accurate passes Okay, if you just never worried about them, you probably you get a little. Let's it's meant to break ties essentially. So as they pass the ball around in the back line and everything, you'll see your defenders get you 0.02, 0.04, and maybe on the heavy favored teams, the defensive midfielders and the defenders may accumulate like a point and a half of accurate passes. Is it gonna? Is, is it something that you should be like, like paying attention to? Oh. Who's the one that's going to have the most accurate passes? Probably not. Okay. So if you never worried about it, probably don't worry about it. Okay. Other stats are fouls drawn. So if you're, if you're an attacker or it doesn't matter if you're an attacker or not, your player, you get fouled, you'll get credited with one point. The types of players that get fouled the most are typically attacking wingers. So guys that have the ball at their feet and like dribbling around people. Okay. You're not going to see that many fouls drawn. Like, you'd like, yeah, we, we have some guys that may get fouled three or four times a game. And that'll be reflected in the projections. But it's not a stat where it's like, okay, I'm trying to, uh, where, who are the people that could draw fouls drawn the most? Well, the people that draw fouls are typically the ones that also cross the ball a lot or typically the guys that shoot the ball a lot, right? So you're not really going to be looking necessarily for anything different from a fouls drawn. The same for fouls conceded. Typically... You know, if your player fouls someone else, you know, you get minus half a point. And if they foul enough 
they may get a yellow card. Yellow cards are minus one and a half points. Red cards are minus three points. Uh, typically, the guys that get yellow cards and draw fouls are the defensive midfielders, the back line, the defenders, right? And those and the defenders typically have low floors and low ceilings as it is. So you're probably not going to be rostering many of them anyway. Same things for tackles one, right? Typically tackles one. A tackle one means that you slide in against an attacker. A defender slides in against an attacker for the ball and wins the ball, right? Maintains possession. Uh, that Typically, that's a defensive stat. But once you take into account that they also foul players and they also possibly get a, getting a yellow card and they don't really get much into attack, a lot of times they all cancel each other out. So these defensive stats, they're in our projections, right? They are weighed into our projections. But if you're if you're just like by sight, let me make a team. These are the types of stats that, oh, I can't play this guy because he's more likely to get a yellow card. Well, you're probably not playing him because it's less likely to get a goal anyway, right? So it's not going to matter that much. These are kind of, these are little things that they add for variance. Forwards get yellow cards. Yeah, and I mean, if you talk bad to the referee, you get a yellow card, okay? So it's not just, you know, just hitting a pl- another player. And then we talked about before the clean sheet stuff, right? Goalkeepers get two points for a save. Minus two points for a goal conceded. Five points for the clean sheet and five points for the win. Okay? Goalkeepers are very similar to defenses in NFL. Okay? In in your mind, you think, okay, I want to roster a goalkeeper that's more likely to get a win or a clean sheet. Okay? that I would love that also. But we see all, time and time again that the biggest favorite, so like on the slate coming up, We'll have England versus Iran. England wins 3-0. The goalkeeper for England gives up no goals. But Iran also has have no shots on goal. So the goalkeeper scores 10 points, right? Five points for the win, five points for the clean sheet. And then you'll see in the in like the USA Wales game, where Wales is a slight underdog, Wales, the goalkeeper gives up two goals but also has seven saves. Gives up two goals, has seven saves, and that equals 10 points. Right? Gave up two goals, has the same exact amount of points as the England goalkeeper. If the England goalkeeper gives up one goal, let's say it's a four-to-one game, misses out on the clean sheet, still gets the win, but may not have any other saves. So that's three points. Three points for the keeper, right? Minus two for the goal against. Plus five for the win, three points. The Senegalese keeper gives up three goals, but also has seven saves. So that's four in between. That's eight points. So you'll be sitting there going, the guy, the guy that gave up the most goals has the highest goalkeeper score? What the hell's up with that? Right? Very similar to defense. Like, points allowed is not, like, the biggest thing for, for defenses in football when it comes to ceiling saves so that the keepers that are big underdogs typically are priced lower because they have less likely chance of winning or getting the clean sheet but also if they're big underdogs most likely they're going to be seeing a lot of shots right so we, we've we've had instances where where goalkeepers give up four or five goals and still end up with six seven points because they also have like 10 saves on top of it and that's a byproduct of how soccer is played. 
It's not like NBA. It's not like NFL. The way that soccer is played is not on a possession-by-possession-based level. Okay? One team could have possession for like 80% of the game. Typically, the bigger the favorite is, the bigger the team that's a favorite, the more possession that they will have in general. And obviously, when it comes to DFS, most of these most of these points that you score are an offense, are an attacking, are you're, you're attacking. The team is attacking. So, like in this, for instance, in this first slate that's coming up, I believe England is a minus three hundred three favorite over Iran. So it's more likely that England will have 70, 75% possession. Iran will sit back and try to counterattack. England is a much, much stronger team, and they will come forward in waves, and they may get 20 shots, 25 shots, hold the ball, and keep on coming forward, cross the ball, while Iran is just holding back, regain possession, and quickly attack and try to count, catch, catch them on the counterattack. It's not the type of thing like NBA where, oh, one team gets a basket and then the other team gets to go down. And then the other team gets to go down. NFL, right? One team scores a touchdown, the other team gets the ball. Like, no, it it doesn't work like that in soccer. It's quite possible that one team has an outsized amount of possession. So typically, you're targeting in soccer the biggest favorites, right? The teams that are going to be the most possessive of the ball and obviously the teams that have a higher implied goal total. Right, England, I don't know what their implied goal total this game. Understand also that soccer is typically a low-scoring game. Most of the totals in the World Cup will be two or two and a half. Total for the game, two or two and a half. You will see a lot of one-nothings. Like, if if it's a three-to-two game, that's a high-scoring game in the World Cup. So if you're playing GPPs in, in World Cup soccer... Goals matter a lot. And also, even though, as we talked about, forward players tend to score more of them, they're still fairly variant. So like Declan Rice could score the goal, right? It could be off a deflection, some type of set play. A center back scores off a set piece and it's a one nothing game. And the only goal that's got scored in the game is, is oh, the defensive midfielder that's, that was plus 800 to score in his anytime goal scorer odds. Like that could happen. But because on a three-game slate, like imagine all these, I don't know what the, the totals are. I'm assuming the total in the England-Iran game is probably a little over two with most of it on England. Senegal, the Senegal-Netherlands uh, uh, game is probably a two and a half. That's like a little higher scoring for the World Cup. And Wales-USA is probably two. So in on average, two to, there may on this whole slate of three games, the median amount of goals that we'll, we'll see is six total. Total. Median, six. So in GPPs, you're primarily focused on finding the goals. Most likely they're going to come out of forward positions. For cash games, a lot of times you're playing for like you're act act as if all the games are zero zero. Typically in cash games on DraftKings, I'm looking to to roster all the set piece takers, right? I want to roster the players that could get me. Remember, a goal is worth about twelve about twelve points, right? 
10 points plus one plus one. The shot and the shot and goal. Dude, there are set piece takers, right? Like Kieran Trippier on the on the first slate for England. I mean, his median projection is 12.66. He's not going to score a goal. Like Trippier rarely scores goals. But he crosses the ball a ton from wide positions and he takes like 80% of England's set pieces when he's on the field. Which means his peripheral points will go up. He could score a goal's worth of points without scoring a goal. So set piece takers and wide position players that play 90 minutes that are constantly on the attack have very high floors. Does that mean you can't play them in GPPs? No, that soccer, remember, goal scoring in soccer is fairly, very low. So you have eight roster spots, one of them being a goalkeeper. So that doesn't count as a goal scorer. It's not like you should be filling out your entire seven other slots with well, if they can't score a goal, I can't I can't roster them in GPP. Like, dude, there may only be six goals on the entire slate. And, and one of these guys, like Trippier, maybe he doesn't score a goal, but he has 15 peripheral points and an assist because he had he sent the ball in and, and Harry Kane scored on that goal. Like, dude, he could end up being one of the highest scorers on the slate. So it doesn't mean that you you fade them in GPP. It's you typically have a mix of them. So for like this slate coming up. The first slate, based on these projections, I mean, we'd more likely roster, like if Asmali Sar is going to take most of Senegal's set pieces, even though they're an underdog, at 5,000, that's a pretty good floor. Wales probably splits their set pieces between uh, Daniel James and Aaron Ramsey, and they're both fairly affordable, right? We already mentioned Trippier from before. Christian Pulisic pretty much does everything for the for the, the U.S. team. Right, he's expensive. He's ninety seven hundred. He's eligible at forward. Like this is kind of how you would set up like a cash lineup in uh, on DraftKings. But this doesn't mean these guys can't be part of your GPP lineup. Also, just that you're more likely to pair them up with lower owned, slightly lower owned players because no one's going to be that low owned. It's only a three game slate. This is where you'd go. Okay, if Pulisic has an assist, who's going to score this goal? Probably Jesus Ferreira, right? So you start pairing them up. If Trippier gets an assist, who does he? Who does who scores? Probably Sterling or Kane or Rashford, depending on who's in. If Senegal scores, right? If Asmali Scar has an assist, who's more likely to score? So you go to Senegal. You go who's starting up front for Senegal? Crepindiata, right? He may only play twenty. He may only play sixty-five minutes anyway. Boulay Dia, right? Lower projected. I mean, these guys, Senegal doesn't project all that well. But it's like you're trying to pair these guys off. Are you looking to stack an entire team? I want to play six guys from one team. How many goals do you think are being scored by that team? If that team scores five goals, you're good. But that team scores one goal, probably not. So in GPP, you're primarily looking for goal-to-assist combinations. And you're also trying to remove negative correlations. The only hard correlation in soccer DFS is goalkeeper and defense. So let's say you were playing uh, Wayne Hennessy or let's say Matt Turner, the U.S. keeper. Most likely, you're not going to play Gareth Bale at forward against him. 
the 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 whale the Welsh notes forward. Because if Gareth Bale scores a goal, that means that your clean sheet and your win bonus is much. You, you don't get a clean sheet, and you may not even get the win from your goalkeeper. So typically, you're not playing attacking forwards, guys that score goals against your own goalkeeper. And a lot of times, you're pairing your goalkeeper with one, if not two, defenders. Because if they if they get a clean sheet, the defenders get three points, and the goalkeeper gets five points. So it's very common that you play at least one defender with your goalkeeper. So in this case, maybe you play Anthony Robinson because he's also an attacking fullback. So not only do you get the, the three points a clean sheet if they keep a clean sheet, but it's also the type of person that's more likely to get crosses and shots and shots assisted. He's attacking more. And if you're playing Anthony Robinson, you go, oh, well, if Anthony Robinson gets an assist, who gets the goal? Well, probably one of the, the U.S. forwards. Probably Ferreira, Pulisic, Reina, someone like that. So you play Ferreira there. And you go, okay, this would be a good correlation. You could add another one. You could say, okay, they win, you know, U.S. wins 3 nothing. And there you go. Here's a Team U.S. USA kind of combination of players. And you see you have 56-75 left. You go, how do I round this out? Well, let's see. England... Let's say I probably don't have money to pay for Harry Kane, but maybe I play Raheem Sterling in this lineup for a goal. Maybe I play another. Maybe I play another. Everyone's going to be playing Kane and Sterling and stuff like that, so maybe I play Declan Rice. Maybe he's it's a, he's a defensive midfielder for uh, England, but maybe since I went in on the U.S. the U.S. attack, I'm going to kind of fade the English attack. Not saying they don't score, but maybe Kane only scores one goal. Maybe Sterling doesn't score at all. Maybe Declan Rice is the one that scores the goal. At 3,400, very cheap goal. You start pairing these things together. Maybe you play Trippier with Rice. And you go, okay, I'm also going to play the, the set-piece taker for uh, for Senegal. Probably is Mali Sar. I got 7,000 left. Who do I pair him up with? Or I mean, This is how you'd fill out a a GPP lineup for soccer. Now also understand that you're going to need to, you're going to, need to late swap. Because on this first slate, for instance, we have the England-Iran game first. Maybe Declan Rice doesn't start. Maybe he's not in. Maybe maybe they play someone else instead. Well, you got to take him out. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Trippier isn't in. He's most likely going to be in, but you never know. Right? And then... Two hours later, you're going to get the, oh, the starting lineups for Senegal. Is, is Mali Sarin? I don't think Mane plays this first game. And the same thing for Netherlands. Uh, Memphis is going to be out this first game. On another slate, you'd probably be playing Memphis in the forward spot. He takes, like, everything for, for the Netherlands. So you want to see Netherlands starting lineup without Memphis. And then you got to wait another two hours. Then that game's over, and then you're going to get the lineups for the U.S.-Wales game. And maybe, maybe they don't start that keeper. Maybe they start a different keeper. So you can have to pay attention on who's in your lineup during all these lock, lock periods. So it's not set it and forget it. And every time starting lineups come out here on Roto Grinders, we will have updated projections. So you'll see the lineups come out for the 11 a.m. game at 10 a.m. And then typically within five to 10 minutes, 
Sean and Alex will have updated projections reflecting the the, the, the starting 11s that are that are out. Now, if the starting 11s come out are the exact projected starting 11s that we already had in, then you won't see an update because we already had it in. So this is pretty much soccer DFS. Okay? You can use our projections. Understand that the, the distributions of players are different. Be aware, like I showed you these formations, Goals are much more variant than crosses and shots and fouls drawn and stuff like that. So a guy with a very high meeting projection that's a forward that doesn't take set pieces is very goal dependent. Meaning, let's say let's say they have a 50% chance of scoring a goal. And that's all the points that they could score. Let's just say, we're just making an example. So do they score a goal? Yes, they get 12 points. Do they not score a goal? They get zero points. 50% of the time, they'll get 12. 50% of the time, they'll get zero. But what's the median? Six. They never score six points, but that would be the middle. That'll be right there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But for these wide players that take set pieces, they're more likely to score around their median. So we see here in the projections, we could go through, let's say, like to England, only because they're a big favorite. So you'll see in our projections that Phil Foden has a 12-point projection. Uh, let me get, uh, where's, where's Kane? Oh, because I only have the midfielders open. Okay. There we go. So we'll see here that the top projected players for England, Kane, 14.81, Trippier, 12.66, Foden, 12.33, Sterling, 11.26, Luke Shaw, 10.41. Now there's a much bit uh, different, much different distribution for guys like Kane and Sterling compared to Trippier, Foden, and Shaw. Foden's kind of in the middle, but much different than Trippier and Shaw. Like Kane's 14.81 comes from mostly scoring goals, taking shots. So he's most likely going to have like four shots, two on goal. And does he score any of them? If he doesn't, he's sitting there with like six or seven points. If he does, he could be 18, 26, 30 points. So even though he projects for 14, 
A lot of it is based on him scoring goals. While Trippier at 12.66 doesn't really rely on him. His goal scoring opportunities are going to be very low. His odds of scoring a goal is much, much lower than Kane. Luke Shaw's uh, chance of scoring a goal is much, much lower than Kane or Sterling. But he's getting most of these points from peripherals, from crosses, from shots assisted, from fouls drawn, from tackles won. So if two guys were projected, if Kane and Trippier were the same price and projected the same, be like, well, what's the difference between them? It's like, well, Trippier has, Trippier has a higher floor. Kane has a higher ceiling because goals are much more variant than crossing and shots assisted peripherals. Phil Foden's kind of in the middle. He's a type of player that is a lot more active on the ball. Probably doesn't take set pieces here. May take he may take a free kick or two, but he's more likely to get some crosses in. He's more likely to get fouls drawn. Harry Kane pretty much is getting the ball, turning around, and shooting it. Like that's it. Like he he he's not he's likely not crossing. He's not li- likely not passing it off. Even he's most likely just shooting. Sterling is a, a little bit more active on the ball, phoning a lot more. So the types of players matter. So when you use our projections, it's very important to also like look at the look at the tags that that Sean and Alex put here and why and listen to the shows the night before. If you if you don't already understand uh the context of these teams, right? I'm using England because a lot of people know English players from the Premier League. So when you play Premier League soccer, you know. It's like, oh, this is the guy that crosses the ball a lot. Oh, this is the guy that doesn't do anything other than shoot. So either he scores or you get nothing. Like, you kind of know that already. But if you don't, if you're new to DFS soccer, I would suggest making sure, not just looking at these fantasy point projections, not just looking at the point per dollar, right? Because we see here, John Stones. Oh, he has a good point per dollar. Like, we could, I'll, I'll bring up all the players. You'll also see center backs that sometimes, like here, Harry Maguire, high point per dollar, 7.46 for 3,900. That's pretty good for a defender, but he's a center back, okay? What's his ceiling? I mean, most of these points are like his clean sheet equity, like two tackles, one, and like 25, 20, 25% of the time, he'll score a goal, right? Because he's he's a target on a set piece. So if he doesn't score a goal, like, and they don't keep a clean sheet, he's going to be sitting there with like two points. So his point per dollar value seems like, oh, great. But it's like, it's not like NBA where it's like, oh, no, this is a really cheap guy that's going to got a lot of points. Like his distribution is much more bimodal than normally distributed. So if you see the tags, they talk about it. It's like, uh, you know, with Mane to set to miss the opener, most likely, more of the burden falls on Sar. He could have a monopoly of sets. However, this is not a good matchup. Salary is tight on this slate, and he's one of the better floor plays at 5K and below. All right, so reading the tags and seeing, oh, maybe that doesn't mean jam him into all my lineups. I'm playing 20 lineups. I'm jamming him into all of them. Senegal is a, is a, a decent underdog in this game against the Netherlands, against Holland. Because Miley Sar may have a good floor, but maybe not the best ceiling. And probably he's going to be 
quite highly owned. So maybe you want to play someone else for in GPPs. Or if he fits in your lineups, then you, you play him. So it's not just simply going by point per dollar or raw projection. Getting the context of how these players play, how the teams play, how favored one team is over the other, how what style of football do they play? Some play more counterattacking. Some play way more open. And you can get all that context if you subscribe to Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get a combo premium package. You get NFL. You get MLB. Right, It's not going on now, but you could get it. NBA, PGA, MMA, soccer. Right? You'll get this. And we also have the late swap, you know, re- rebuilder. So if you're playing a lot of lineups and you're like, okay, let me plug in my lineups for the next game. And then, oh, this guy is switched out and that guy switched out. And you want to run your lineups again. You could do that with lineup HQ. I typically don't play. I don't play 150 lineups in soccer. I typically play. I play more of the higher stakes, smaller field stuff. I play cash games primarily. So typically, I, I, these slates, I may only play probably four to six lineups. About it. The large field contests are very top-heavy. They're very top-heavy. So you're going to, on a three-game slate, you're going to need quite close to the optimal lineup to win. Going through the YouTube chat a little bit. If you have any questions, let me know before we get out of here. I think this is a good soccer DFS 101 type of type of lesson. Uh, Grant Brown says, uh, yeah, five subs are allowed in the World Cup, but, but it must be done in three windows. Yes, that's correct. Uh, DFIX says, how do you calculate their floor and the ceiling? I mean, you could calculate just like any other projection model could. We don't we don't incorporate it here, floor, ceiling. It would it would look weird. It would be like baseball. It wouldn't matter that much. ANS Comedy says, feel like DFS hockey with slightly less emphasis on stacking. That very, very good, very good uh observation. Soccer DFS, I would describe to those that don't play that play other sports to be a mix between NHL and MLB. So NHL from the perspective of like, you're looking for goals, you're looking for saves for goalkeepers and MLB for the fact that, that it's like home run, like the distributions on forwards and stuff like that, the home run hitters, like you're kind of looking for those for GPPs, but for cash games, they're typically bad or not very good. Is clean sheet the same as a shutout? Yes. Yes. It's just in soccer. It's called a clean sheet because there are score sheets. In the old school ways, a lot of a lot of the terms are based around stuff that happened in the early in the late 1800s. So it used to be actual sheets that they'd write down the goals, right? By the benches. And this guy scored a goal, right? So if you keep a clean sheet, that means that's a good thing. That's a shutout. Defic, will there be ownership projections or do you need to estimate them on your own? Yeah, you're gonna we're not gonna offer, I don't believe so, from what I've when I've read not going to be offering ownership projections because World Cup comes around every four years and I'm not even... We do them for, for Premier League and Champions League, but they're, they're much more predictable because we get a lot of the same people that play. They're the small... They're, the contests are generally smaller. 
Even the large field ones are smaller. And uh, like 80% of the people that play are regulars or are people that play soccer all that we can predict it a lot more. The World Cup, I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm, I don't believe we're doing ownership. But typically the higher projected players are going to be more owned. Typically <coughs> the players that have high floors, the set piece takers will be high owned and the highest odds goal scorers. So the guys that are like minus 150 anytime goal scoring odds, they're going to be high owned. So you could go by that. Daniel Hutchings, how much of a pain is the late swapping with lineup changes? From my experience, not not for the World Cup, not that much. Something like Champions League or Premier League where the teams are more likely to rotate, then it can be a pain in the ass. But I don't suspect... I suspect that we'll we'll pretty much know uh, what the what the lineups are going to be, and most likely than not, the pre, if one guy is in and one guy is out, or a formation has changed, it won't dramatically affect the projections as much as a, as a sport like NBA or even like MLB. Oh, this guy isn't batting eighth; is now batting second. Like that type of stuff doesn't really happen that much in soccer for the international game for the for the domestic game yes because you'll see rotation all the time but for the international game probably not my suggestion would be if you if you have some type of automated like do i need to make all these swaps or not is to when the when the new starting 11s come out even if there's one slight change run reload the projections and see what the delta is between the switch and all the players if you see that Pretty much the projections barely changed. Don't bother late swapping unless you have the player that's not in. Late swap all your lineups that have the player that that isn't in anymore with something else. That's what I would suggest. That's, I mean, from doing it manually myself with just a handful of lineups. There most likely is not going to be a change. I mean, it could be. We may see how Wales lines up and there's no Daniel James or Aaron Ramsey. And it's like, who's taking set pieces now? But the likelihood of that happening is very low. So I don't think it's that much of a pain. Do I, should you play 150? I typically don't play 150 lineups. I rarely ever. Three games late, you're going to probably need closer to the optimal. Anything else? In the YouTube chat, just basic soccer DFS. Soccer and not to dissuade you or anything. Okay, but soccer, I soccer is is one of the few sports. I know I'm a I'm a play whoever you want, just go by the numbers type of guy. But there is an edge in actually knowing how the teams play. So that's why, in, in just in that context, like so, you're not just staring at numbers, going, uh, Fode Balo Torre for Senegal, like. What makes him any different of a play than Connor Roberts from Wales? And it's like, well, based on their formation, like Connor, Connor Roberts isn't going to be attacking as much. Well, Senegal is not going to have the ball as much. Like knowing the context of whether or not they line up with five in the back or four in the back. Sometimes they have two defensive midfielders. Sometimes one plays as a box to box and one stays all the way back. How would you know that? You'd look at the new formation. You go, Okay, I, I could I could predict how the, how they're gonna play. 
Now it is reflected somewhat in projections, but that distribution isn't normal. That's why watching the game, why it, you don't even have to watch the games. Like I don't necessarily watch all the Premier League games or the Champions League games, but I know how I know how, I know how the teams play. Oh, this team, this team crosses the ball a lot. This team plays wide. This team plays plays as a shell and passes the ball a lot around around the midfield. Plays with through balls more. Oh, so should I play their wing backs? It's like they're not going to cross as much as you think, right? Some teams give up a lot of crosses. They allow the other teams to be on the other side. Now, the thing about the World Cup is that everything here is small sample size. These are these are the national teams. They don't play together that often. And this is one of the main reasons why set pieces matter very much more in international competition than in domestic competitions. That's the main reason why the teams don't play together that frequently, which means the chemistry, <coughs> which means the chemistry between the players is much lower, right? They play for their own clubs throughout most of the year. And then they come together and okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that one, two here, one, two there. So since there's less chemistry, they capitalize more on set pieces because when you run a set piece play, that's kind of like running a, a, an NFL football play. It's like, okay, we don't have much chemistry do you need. Like, everyone stands in these positions, and then you move this way, I move that way, the guy kicks the ball this way, and then maybe we get the guy on the far post open. Right? It's very much easier to run those plays because also those set-piece type of plays, they're running variations of them for their domestic teams as it is. So it's much easier on dead ball opportunities to be in sync rather than in open play where two feet on a pass may matter, right? A through ball going through and you being slightly off. You lead a guy slightly too much to the right and the defender gets in there. Like they're not used to playing with these people as much. <sighs> Defix says makes sense to X out some players aside from subs. I mean, not necessarily, but unless you're playing like the largest field GPPs, you're probably you're probably not playing underdog center backs. Probably, probably not. Underdog defensive midfielders, probably not. You probably x those out and probably be okay. A&S comedy. How often before kickoff do lineups get announced? I said before, an hour before game time, and you'll get that on the dot. Okay, these things that these are things are very, very, very regulated. So it's not like, oh, you're waiting around and oh, this good a half an hour, like in the NBA. They say what they're gonna do in the NBA. They're supposed to, the rules say this, and then the teams don't do it anyway. Now you will get at, at eight, for the this eight in the morning game, seven a.m. Eastern, you will you will get the the lineups. Where do you get the lineups? Well, I use an app called SofaScore, and it's also an app on your phone. It will also, it will give you like all the information, all the stats, all the everything. This is the desktop version. I don't use it that often. So there'll be a tab for the formations and this goal scoring and uh, everything. You could set notifications even. Anytime a goal gets scored, you'll get a notification. A missed penalty kick, a red card, a substitution, anything you want. So I would suggest SofaScore. That's what I use. Some people use Flash Score on, the, on their phone. 
you could use some some type of thing like that. But it will show you the formations. Like you'll you'll be able to go and click on the game, and there will be a tab that says lineups. Obviously, it doesn't show it now, and it will show you the formation, all the starters. Also on Twitter, it, it's dude, it's the World Cup. It's not hard to find the starting lineups. I, you probably follow the official FIFA World Cup account, and they'll tweet it out. I mean, there's follow the Fox Soccer account, like or 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 uh, or uh, Squawka or something. I mean, there's dude. There's no reason that you shouldn't know what the starting 11s are. Also, they'll be updated in Lineup HQ. You'll see this little start button, right? You'll see it light up for the players that are in the starting 11, right? Typically, the ones that are in the starting 11, we have projected at like nothing, right? At, at one, at one minute, right? So, you see, you'll, you'll, you'll see it in Lineup HQ anyway. Okay. I think that was good. Good good rundown. Good rundown of soccer DFS in general. Going over the scoring for DraftKings. What you should be looking for. What apps to use to keep track and sweat the games. Obviously, the games are going to be, you know, I think what Fox has the rights. You'll be able to watch them if you want. Uh, this happens every four years, and the contests are much bigger on DraftKings than they are normally. That's why I'll be up early. Set my alarm clock, 7 a.m., Oh boy, can't wait. Can't wait to wake up at 7 a.m. every day for the next three weeks. Uh, but uh, but soccer DFS is what I do. Yeah, it's my my original sport. It's what I consider my best sport. So I'm gonna take advantage of it. And you should too. If you have any questions, we have a World Cup Discord channel now. So Sean is in there, Alex is in there, I'm in there. So sign up for Roto Grinders. Especially Roto Grinders Premium. Get the combo premium package. Get all the, the shows, the nightly shows. Get the projections. Get lineup HQ to build your lineups. Get access to the Discord. If you have any questions, go into the World Cup channel and we, we will take care of you. You could ask what hey, new starting lineup. Oh, this guy's out and this guy's in. What do I do now? Feel free to join us in there. And uh yeah, and I'll be I'll be back tomorrow talking about uh, the MMA slate. Coming up for uh, for Saturday, especially with late swap, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy. It's gonna be a doozy. So give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. Hit the subscribe button. We got NBA crunch time later today as well, and all the NFL content. Right, we got week eleven. It's the eleventh week, right? We're up to eleven. I I lose track of the NFL weeks. We got the NFL content, PGA content, everything going on here at Roto Grinders. Subscribe and enjoy. And I'll see you tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy questions like I always try to do here, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.